Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Gordon Dean, and this is the Sower's Seat Pod Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Um, Wanted to today talk about something that, you know, honestly, I don't think gets nearly as much um, attention as it should. And that would be the what, what's typically referred to as the Great Commission. Jesus, while he was here on earth, gave a lot of instruction, but typically it fell almost exclusively under the headings of love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and strength. And the second being like to it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And basically everything that he taught stemmed from that. Now, obviously, there are some instances where, you know, for example, the uh, the religious rulers would try to catch him in some stuff, which, to be frank, that that particular passage where he cites the the two primary commandments upon which all of the law and the prophets are based you know they 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 would try to catch him basically getting him to try to say something that would be contrary to the law of Moses so that they would have uh, what in their mind would be the justification to arrest and execute him. Uh, obviously, my my personal favorite is when they asked him, you know, uh, should we pay taxes to Caesar? And of course, I'm sure you know the outcome of that was an absolutely brilliant response because they... They really they tried repeatedly to try to catch him up and and get him to contradict the law so that they could get him out of the way and each and every time he made them look like chumps and it was great it really was uh, that having been said that's a little bit separate from what I wanted to kind of cite because. Everything that Jesus taught revolved around the two greatest commandments, at least in some fashion or form. Uh, basically, that you know, you love God, you love your neighbor, and then throughout his ministry, there, there's there's a bit of a peppering of what we might call um, missionary work. Uh, on two separate occasions during his actual earthly ministry, he, he the Bible cites that he sent his disciples out to, uh, to, to preach the good word throughout the area. And then... Of course, we come to his execution, his crucifixion, and the Bible records a couple of different things after his resurrection. 
namely that he actually spent some time here on earth with his apostles and uh, appearing to no small number of, of groups all over the place performing miracles in that to, to prove that he, in fact, had risen from the grave. But shortly before his ascension, Jesus provides, again, what's called the, the Great Commission. That's, that's what the uh, subject header in most Bibles for this passage is. And it's, it's just, that's, that's what we call it, is, is the Great Commission. Because Jesus, again, shortly before he ascends to heaven, provides a very specific set of instructions. And so uh, you're going to find this, uh, the, the scripture that I pulled was from Matthew chapter 28. It's the last couple of verses, um, 18 through 20. And it reads, And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, there's obviously quite a bit there that can be deconstructed, but really, there's not a whole lot of need to do so. He gave his disciples a very specific set of instructions to go out into the world and make disciples of all nations. Not just Jews, not just Greeks, but all nations. Which, you know, this, of course, is, is the basis for the, the missionary work that a lot of churches carry out. It's the basis for the, uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses going door to door. They are they're complying with the, the Great Commission. We, we have been given a very specific task as believers and that is to preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations. Uh, another group that is, is phenomenal at doing so is the Mormon church. Um, they, they sponsor disciples or uh, um, missionary journeys and missions all over the place. It's just, it's, it's breathtaking, to be honest with you. That said, um, there are, of course, a number of Christian organizations in the U.S. that send uh, missionaries all over the world as well. And there's there's a lot of them. And, and I would encourage you actually to take a look and see, because keep in mind, it's not just it's not just missionaries going to third world nations and establishing churches or. Um, Oh, there's 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 one group just absolutely amazing. They they go literally all over the world, and their objective is to find uh, find cultures 
that don't have a version of the Bible in their language, and they send linguistics experts to understand their language so that they can translate the Bible into their language, and in so doing, now make the Word of God accessible to people who would not have had the ability to to learn and to study this. Again, just some amazing organizations, but what I'm getting at is these missionary journeys are not just to third world nations. Um, sometimes they're to places like Alaska. Certainly not a third world nation. That's part of the United States of America. They, by and large, they speak English and, and uh, you know, they, they're familiar with electricity and running water and they have access to Bibles, but what they don't necessarily have or churches, or the churches that have been established are in need of assistance for whatever reason. So if you're trying to figure out, you know, how you can participate in something like this, uh, go to your church, ask them about what kind of missionary opportunities are available and when. And if they don't have one specifically, they will usually at least have resources to get you plugged in with somebody in the area that can get you pointed in the right direction. So I said all of that to say this. This is the number one thing that we as Christians as a whole are called to do. And this in no small part is why I'm doing what I'm doing here. But you see, for me, there's, there's something a little bit more specific to it, um, a little bit more laser focus, because... It's one thing to say, I want you to go out and do this. It's something else entirely to provide the reason behind that. Now, obviously, as I alluded to earlier, the overarching reason for this is because we love God and we love our neighbor. And our neighbor is not just the guy that lives next door to us. It's the guy down the street that doesn't look like us. It's the guy in the next town over who has a drinking problem. It's the, the, the school teacher three states away who is trying to get together uh, 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 socks for her students because this is a predominantly uh, poor area. There's so many different ways that we can love on our neighbors and view everyone as our neighbor. Now, listen, folks, I, I, I kind of need to pause for just a second and, and, and kind of point something out. We typically speaking, I mean, unless you have some sort of financial resources that I've never been able to lay my eyes on, can't even wrap my head around, you're not going to be able to do everything for everybody. It's not, 
it's not a call to to touch every single life in the world. You can't do that. But on that note, you can, for example, you know, I gave the example of the, the organization that goes and translates Bibles. You can donate to their ministry and in so doing help a large group of people. So, you know, be, be smart about how you about, go about doing this, but understand that, you know, you can't, you can't physically help every single person in the world, but you need to be conscious of the fact that that's what your neighbor means. It's not just the guy next door. So when I when I start talking about this this uh, uh, focus on the meaning behind and and the and the reasoning behind the the Great Commission. The, the passage that really speaks to me about this and, and for me kind of sums everything up about why we are called to go preach the gospel to all nations. And for that, we kind of back up actually quite a bit uh, going from Matthew chapter 28 all the way back to Matthew chapter 5. And in verses 14, and, 14 15, and 16, Jesus says, and, and, and honestly, folks, I get goosebumps just about every time I read this. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now stop and think about that for a second. We are called by Christ to shine the light of his love into every corner of the world. That's a big deal. But it's something that It's something, again, that I, I really don't think that the world can possibly understand because, first of all, close your eyes for a second and, and think back to that moment when you were saved, when you realized that all of the trespasses against God had been forgiven, and that included every little shred of your past that some people didn't even know about. Remember that, that feeling when it felt like all of your sin had physically been removed off of you like a lead coat and that that feeling of light of of energy that just absolutely permeated every square inch of your body now think for a second about how it would feel to see someone else that you don't know or, or didn't know experience that same sensation. It's a moving experience that 
unless you're emotionally dead, is going to bring tears to your eyes. And and really, that's that's the whole point, is that that light is what we are called to share. And, you know, we've we've kind of talked a little bit about, you know, sometimes it's, it, sometimes it is the guy next door. Sometimes it is the guy in the, in the next town over. But that light is something that we are supposed to hold up for all of the world to see. And yet, so many Christians, and, and <laughs> let me pause for a second here and, and remind you that what I'm about to describe was me. So many Christians, for whatever reason, whether it's because, uh, you know, we live in a political climate where it's, it's really not cool to be a Christian. We live in a world that is going to hell gleefully and doesn't want to be told that what they're doing is wrong. There's no room for God in their minds. And so as a result, they they tend to, I hate to use this word, but it, it, it applies. They tend to persecute Christians. They'll, they'll make fun of Christians. They will uh, denigrate Christians. Sometimes they'll, I mean, we're, we're literally, we're getting to a point now, folks, where we're heading into times where it's, I don't want to say okay, but um, borderline acceptable to beat street preachers. I mean, truly, if, if that becomes acceptable as every other aberrant behavior that we've preached against for decades becomes acceptable at what point is this thing going to devolve to the point where it's okay to walk into churches and start rounding up christians but forgive me i digress the point is most of us have not really encountered anything like that but we have been perhaps um derided made fun of uh censured you know told to shut up so perhaps it's fear of that that keeps the Christian from, from shining that light around. Um, sometimes it's just generalized fear of public speaking. I mean, it, it that's probably the most common phobia in the world is the fear of public speaking. And nobody, I mean, let's be honest, nobody wants to walk up to a complete stranger and say, do you want to hear about Jesus? Now, granted, I've known people that have done that. But that's a very difficult thing to do, and one that, frankly, tends to be a little bit off-putting. People don't like being approached by strangers, and picture the air quotes here, have their religion forced down their throat. So, 
how is it then that we as Christians can go about putting our light on a lampstand instead of under a basket? Well, obviously, you could start a blog or a podcast or a vlog, but not everybody has the ability to do so. Either uh, you know don't have the resources to record podcasts or to upload them, or really even the ability to sit and expound upon things like this. But if, if that is you, that's a perfect example. I mean, look, the only reason I'm doing this, the only reason I've chosen this, this method of expressing what it is that I, I feel I need to get across is because, to be blunt, I talk a lot. I talk a lot, and and this is a subject I'm passionate about. And to be honest with you, this allows me to at least get a little bit more of the feel, the flavor of what I'm saying across, more so than a blog. And i got to be honest, it, it really takes a while to type out a blog. i got a handful of them that I need to post. I haven't gotten around to doing so. But I can sit here and talk to my monitor most of the day. <laughs> so... The question becomes, what what is it that you can do? And and I'm sorry, I, I really, I don't have the answer. Because again, we go back to the body has all these different members to it. And so, you know, uh, what does a toe do that a finger doesn't? Well, I mean, they, they're practically not even the same thing. There's some per, you know, potential overlap in what they can do. But my point is that not everybody can do this one thing or you know that one thing. So the first thing I would recommend that you do is go talk to your pastor or your priest or I mean whatever whatever the leader of your religious organization is go talk to them and say you know look i i have been commissioned by christ to share the gospel with all nations but i don't have the ability to fly to another country or learn another language or 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 but what I can do is gadink, 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 gadink. Or, you know, I, I've given this some thought. I don't, I have no idea what I could do to participate in this, but it's important to me that I let my lamp shine. But I do want to point out that there is something, something much more innocuous that you can do as a start. Act like a Christian. Mimic Jesus. And what do I mean by that? I mean that when you're at work, 
telling crude and crass jokes and cursing and cussing is not how we represent Jesus. And I admit, I am guilty of this as well. And, and that's just one example. I mean, you know, again, there's no law that says you can't pray at your desk. Some company policies may not allow you to invite others to pray with you, but there's nothing that says that you can't pray at your desk. Let others see you pray. You can do other little things as you go along. Dropping a dollar in the cup of the guy sitting there on the street will go a long way to helping him out and letting your lamp shine. There's a thousand little things that you can do throughout the course of your day to let Jesus' light shine through you to others. Now, to be honest, in much the same way as, as running up to somebody on the street and saying, would you like to hear about Jesus? You're not going to get a whole lot of response out of all of that. However, it is possible that you will get a response. And when people ask others to describe you to them, are there, are there really anything better that can be said that he's a good Christian guy? Oh, that gal loves like Jesus. I can't think of anything. Now, the one thing I do want to caution you against is doing as the Pharisees did in the synagogue, in the temple, and doing things to draw attention to yourself being godly. You know, uh, I use the example of putting a, a dollar in the cup of the guy sitting on the street in downtown Fort Worth. Well, taking a video or a selfie of yourself doing it and posting it on social media is self-glorification. But if you just quietly slip it in his cup and say, God bless, that brings glory and honor to God. It's very substantial difference, and I hope truly that you understand what that difference is. Now, I'm already reaching the end of the allotted time for this, so I, I'm going to go ahead and draw this to a close, but here's here's kind of the summary, folks. We are, called, we are called to shine the light of Christ into all corners of the house, all corners of the world. And not everybody can do it in the same way, but I would highly encourage you to start looking into ways that you can do it and start at home. Start with the little things. Start with, start your day with prayer every day. Pray with your kids before they go to bed. Pray with your wife before you go to bed. How else, truly, can you better show her that you love her but by praying with her? Find ways to let it radiate out from there. And when you've run out of ideas and options, I promise you, your pastor will help you find some more. This has been the Sower Seed Pod podcast, and I'm your host, Gordon Dean. God bless.